Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Welcome everybody. I, uh, it's hard to talk about anything else right now than about the war going on in Ukraine. Um, and so I just looked up a couple different things that I've been inspired by, and I want to hear your perspective. There's an article written by, um, I probably won't be pronounced this right, but Vasil Ostry. He's a pastor in Ukraine, and he has said that he is not leaving. He's going to stay in Ukraine, and you have about a million people so far who have left Ukraine. And he gives his answers for why he's going to stay that he says, uh, if the church is not relevant in times of crisis, it is not relevant in times of peace. And he goes on to say, we have decided to stay both as a family. He's got a family of six, I think. He's got teenager, 16-year-old, down to like, I think, a six-year-old. So mm. he's keeping all them there in the middle of war. He says, um, we've decided to stay both as a family and as a church. When this is over, the citizens of Kiev will remember how Christians have responded to their time of need. And so they're using their church like a, a bomb shelter. Um, they're also training people, uh, performing first aid, how to apply tourniquets, stop bleeding, apply bandages, manage airwaves. And some other people have decided to stay with him. And now that they've been trained, they say, you know, I'm not old or young enough to fight as a soldier, but I'm going to stay and be an aid to people spiritually and physically. So that's really inspiring to me. My question, what, what do you think about that, first of all? And do you think you'd be able to do that? Do you think our people of our country would be able to do that? I don't know. How do, first of all, what do you think of his decision to stay? Do you think that's good? I think or? it's great. He's like building street cred for the church. You know, yeah. like when, when you're there and in the time of crisis and— um, I mean, it, it looks cowardly if you, if you run, mm-hmm. you know, or if you, you know, and, and I get everybody, and this is not a judgment call. I mean, people need to make decisions and I'm very thankful that I don't have to make a decision whether to stay or go. Mm-hmm. I like, I would like to think that I, I would stay, yeah. um, to help or to fight or whatever needed to be done. Um, I don't know though. And thankfully I am not in that position, but I, I think it's great. I think it, it makes sense. And then when, when peacetime comes and, and it will come eventually, then hopefully people, you know, other maybe unchurched people will look at it and, and use that as an example yeah. and say, wow, the church was there or the you know yeah. Christian Christianity was there present. So I think that's been historically the case that Christians have stayed in times of plague and pandemic and war. They have stayed back even to the risk of their own life based on Jesus' sacrifice. The, the other big name for, um, is... Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor during the time of World War II, and he did a kind of a, a tour of the United States. I don't know what was all the reason why, but he could have stayed in the United States as Hitler was rising, and he decided to go back, uh, continue to work with an underground seminary, uh, and then he actually worked to be a part of the assassination of Hitler, the attempt. And uh, right as the war was ending, he was captured and killed. Uh, for his faith and, and staying back. So that, that made him kind of a martyr. What do you think, Matt? What is, how, how do you look at this? Would you stay? Uh, I, I have no idea if I'd stay or not. Um, but uh, I think what's more interesting is when you say that you have nothing to fear, do you really believe that? 
And if you're a Christian, you, you, you kind of should. And that is what you would say. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that everyone should stay and maybe mm-hmm. it's not the right choice for everybody to stay. Maybe God doesn't want everyone to stay. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to stay and you can really say, yeah, if I die, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, it's better if I die sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you actually believe that? I think that's that's a that's a point for us to sort of take inventory of our of our own very comfortable existences. Yeah. Now, I've been following it. There's so much information out there. Is it true that at first, I think only women and children were allowed to leave at least some cities? Ukraine is under martial law, so my understanding is that men aged 18 to 60 are required to stay mm-hmm. with the potential for them to have to fight. That and they're giving guns to... and a little bit of tra- yeah. 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 So it means just a whole different way to think about society. I mean, here we're concerned about gender wars and all these things going on in our country, and there it's like, well, it's in a time of battle. Take care of these... I was just such a fascinating thing to to think about and then if you want to go you you really can't go in some of those cases and so i I don't know i I guess what what i'm fascinated by and what i want i don't know if i'd always have been a guy who would have stayed i think i want to become more and more the kind of person who would stay uh in these kinds of things and and just learn and and i i think about our country and i don't know many men or women who have that kind of courage or clarity on what they believe. And I just wonder if that's something we need to continue to teach our own people what to what mountain to die on, basically. You know, I don't know. So I, I, I'm just inspired by it. You know, would we have our church become a, a hospital uh, and, and, and a shelter? And what would that look like? I just, it's inspiring. I've, I, praying for them. The other article I read too said they can't get enough Bibles there right now. They can't, Bibles are just flying off the shelf. They can't f- get get enough Bibles to the Bible Society, um, which just shows, you know, they're actually playing. Now you said, Annie, I think Pastor Bill said this too, that there's Ukrainians who are saying, keep praying, prayer is working. You know, Russian tanks are running out of gas and they're running out of, the, the their their airstrikes are not, not hitting their targets. You know, who knows if that's going to keep going or what that all means, but that's an interesting point too about prayer and what that actually means. I really, yeah, I really hope that, and you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell, uh, you know, how much of what we're seeing is true and and whatnot. Um, I saw a picture on Facebook this morning of what appeared to be, or what was alleged to have been, um, a Russian soldier who had, uh, decided that what he was fighting for was not what he wanted to be fighting for. Mm. So, so, uh, the Ukrainian, according to this picture, again, I don't know if this is accurate, but the Russian soldier had basically said, I don't want to fight. And the Ukrainian people took him in, gave him tea, let him call his mother, gave him food, you know, because I, I don't know how I, I have a feeling that the Russian people are probably conflicted about this and I, I actually I feel bad for the Russian people too. Yeah, I think there I thought I saw one statistic that said like seventy percent of the Russian population is not for Awful. this. Yeah. Awful. Not, not for this war. That's a pro- so. problem. Mm. Terrible. So this is this is Putin's And uh, all of the sanctions that we're placing and that, that the world is placing on Russia is gonna come down and, and hurt the people. Right. And that 
really sucks. It does. It does. Matt, you're talking about if we really believe what we believe, we be, should be willing to die. Or That is interesting to talk in the safety of our mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. studio here, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. wonder when you're in that moment of panic and you're in that moment of trauma, does that stand up? And I've heard um, from from different things that I've listened and read that PTSD goes down if you are if you really wanted to enter into the military, you really wanted to be in this fight, you really saw a noble goal and you saw why you're doing it. Uh, it goes up a lot more if you didn't want to be there. You don't really support this. It's not, and you're just trying to kind of maybe flee or or not. You're you're conflicted, and so uh, I think that has a big. Yeah, if you're a Russian person who's conflicted on what what you should be doing, but maybe if you are a Ukrainian citizen who are saying, you know, I love my country and I I think this is wrong and I'm going to fight for it and take care of my family as much as I can. So just terrible yeah overall i have nothing else i think at least it's uh united our country for a little while i know you know we're not worried about politics and such we're now we're all most people i think are on the you know in support of ukraine mm-hmm. so so that's 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 good i guess for us um i think i guess just to close this whole this whole thing out i i at least on this section i'm inspired by this pastor I pray that all of us could continue to get more and more clarity like he has on what really matters and what you're if, if you know what if you don't know what you're you're willing to die for, you'll you'll fall for anything. I will add one more thing about Ukraine, which I saw on one of my like Facebook groups that's all about like church tech and mm-hmm. church media. Um and it was like I I think like a live stream from a Ukrainian church on Sunday morning, like five days ago or whatever. And I mean, these people were going nuts. Hmm. Like they, they were so rowdy. They were so excited. Hmm. Like every, like the place was packed with people and they're hmm. jumping around. Like it's a different, very different style of music. It's like very percussive. Like people are literally like dancing. Hmm. And I don't know. I just, that, that struck me on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. How well I'm usually half asleep in the back <laughs> of the room, you know? And they're in wartime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll keep praying for them and uh, keep learning from them. On All right. Well, this next article from Christianity Today was written by Russell Moore called Ash Wednesday in the Time of War. And I thought it was fascinating. He said that supposedly Putin uh, is using mobile crematoriums. And the reason he's using it is he wants to put, to, to extinguish not the victims of war or, or you know, he wants to get rid of any of his own soldiers that have fallen as a way of hiding the numbers as to not showing any kind of weakness and tr- and and to show a, a kind of strength in his in himself and he goes on to explain you know um putin operates out of what intelligence services and diplomats tell us is a nostalgia of the old superpower days of the soviet union mm-hmm. To do this, he projects an image, the shirtless warrior riding a horse, for example. The last thing he wants the world to see is the corpses of Russian soldiers. That would suggest weakness. The Ukrainians, led by their president, seem to want the world and their own countrymen to see the opposite. The vulnerable people who are willing to die with honor and who are in desperate need of help. 
And then he says, Putin's denial of death is not uncommon in history of the world, especially the tyrants with delusions of, of empire. The pyramids of the pharaohs tried to present rulers who could in some ways transcend death. So do the images that other emperors employed of their own immortality and even godhood. So on one hand, you know, what is it about Putin that the whole world is hating right now? You know, it's this idea of of complete control and strength. I think you read an article and compared it to an ab- abusive husband and uh, and and you know, and Ukraine kind of like trying to get out. Yeah, trying to get out of an abusive relationship and you know got some got some strength. And then what we really love about the Ukrainians, especially the way the president their president is acting, is he's staying strong, being visible, not running away, but you know being honest about his vulnerability. Um, not trying to dress things up, what very often politicians will do, dress things up to make them look strong, uh, but willing to die with honor. So what are your reactions to that, this idea of, of it, dictators like Putin trying to erase any signs of weakness? What, what is it about the weakness of the Ukraine people that kind of is drawing us in? And uh, I don't know, what, what do you think about the article? I think it is completely accurate. Okay, I just don't, I don't understand that that ethical system of of you know Putin's mentality. I I just don't it doesn't make sense to me. I can't wrap my head around it. Being dishonest is not you know to show not showing weakness or vulnerability or. Do you still have that post that you read to me on that the comparing? Yeah. If you could find I'll that, find it, yeah. I think you should find that and read that because that, like, that, I think, like you said, you don't have the mentality, but if you kind of look at it as an abusive relationship, it actually makes a little bit more sense when you don't look at it, you know, globally or internationally, but, but on the level of, of. so this kind of brings up that same idea from the previous article of this idea of uh, uh, the heroes that we really want to follow are those who, are open to their own vulnerabilities, are honest about their weaknesses, and yet are willing to remain strong and face danger uh, and ask for help. The difference is people who, you know, give this idea of strength without weakness. In fact, they're so obsessed about showing their strength, they have to lie and fudge the numbers and even extinguish their own um, dead soldiers because they don't want to be a pure week i don't know what do you think matt um i i just feel like we're like too far along in history for this yes yes i was talking to annie about this yes like i don't understand what the play is here like fascism is so overplayed like colonialism that's been out of style for like 200 years imperialism was never cool what (laughs) What is what is your point here? What like this versus like and and we have such an explosion of information now. So you're gonna try to like like project this image like people people know about death. That's not a mystery to us. We're not out there thinking like oh this troop of people they just moved or they just disappeared. No, they all died. You know, and I I don't understand why. Are you trying to make Ukraine? What, 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 what's, I mean, he has to be crazy, right? Yeah, he is crazy. And it's hard, it is harder for him to control the narrative. I think that's what the old Soviet Union did yes. best is yes. when you, mm-hmm. when you only had one news outlet, right. you could completely control it. Mm-hmm. And now he can't. He didn't maybe expect all of his military shortcomings to be exposed. Right. Um, you know, 
world on a worldwide stage and they are and mm-hmm. he looks even worse yeah do you have that article i do yeah so um this was helpful to me to kind of break it down in like simpler terms so um a friend of mine on facebook posted this from one of her friends her friend is named kimberlyn faulkner and um so she my friend lashonda shared this on on facebook and so this kimberlyn gal she writes the Ukraine and Russia crisis in simple terms for those that have no idea what is going on. One, Ukraine used to be in an abusive relationship with Russia, feeding him, letting him use her car and giving him whatever he asked for until she built up the confidence <laughs> to call it quits back in 91. Since then, Ukraine has been working on herself, becoming a strong, independent woman with help from friends. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. With help That's from- Matt laughing, by I the know, way. Matt. Just want. This is, we're putting it in terms that people can understand. So since then, the Ukraine has been working on herself, becoming a strong, independent woman with the help from friends like France, America, Poland, etc., offering her support, loaning her money, and helping her find her way. Ukraine has been enjoying being single for 30 years and looking forward to continuing to grow and create new friendships. And now Russia, being the toxic ex that it is, wants her back and doesn't want her meeting new people, doesn't want her creating any new relationships. A couple of weeks ago, Russia started sitting in the front of Ukraine's house. And when her friends asked him what he was doing there, he said, oh, nothing, just getting a bit of exercise in. That's all. And after her friends told her that Russia was potentially getting ready to do something bad to her, he said, they're lying. They just want you to be scared of me. And that's not what it is. Yesterday. So this was written about a week ago. Yesterday, Russia broke into Ukraine's house, beating her up and taking advantage of her while on live stream and double dog daring any of her friends to do something about it. And if they do want the smoke, Russia got that thing on them. Thank you. I think, you know, don't th- let Matt Lix laugh at the strong. <laughs> Listen, uh- I think that's really helpful, though. Like what you're saying, this doesn't make any rational sp- sense. But when you're dealing when, when you know, when I've dealt with uh abusive relationships you know these narcissistic people usually men have no game plan like you you you, you said this is not going to end well like where are you going with they're this? just desperate it's like i need the control of this i'm just desperate i'm losing control yeah and they're they're willing to keep doubling down yes. as long until it yes until it flames out i mean they they just they just keep going i mean what was hitler's ultimate goal i mean take over the world until it's all over. I mean, he just, it's not rational, but I think when you put in those terms, you know, and you look at an individual relationships, it's not rational. And yet for whatever reason, this kind of godlike, and this is every movie and story of some villain who wants to be a godlike character and he's willing to control whatever he has to do, the narrative people to have that control. It's all about control. And how, how could a person's conscience allow this? Like, I just don't, I just, you know, this ends justify the means kind of mentality where it doesn't matter what you do to get to where you are, no matter who you have to step on, no matter how many lives you ruin, what, what is that? And like, it's okay as long as you end up with what you, with, with the goal, you meet the goal that you wanted and it doesn't matter how you got there. Like, I can't wrap my head around that. Well, I think that's the whole story of Pharaoh in Egypt and the Exodus story where God is long suffering, sends plagues, you know, has to try to get Pharaoh to wake up and let God's people go, let the Israelites go. And it says that he hardened his heart. Mm. And that's that you're asking about conscience. And I think these people, when you get to that, they have no conscience. And conscience is the one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, that we can have empathy and see 
other people and seeing what our actions are harm it's causing other people and having a sense of guilt it's one of the you know shame is that this idea that i'm worthless you know no one will ever love me that's not from god but guilt is guilt this idea i did something wrong and i need to change my ways and ask for forgiveness that's a huge gift and yeah i mean putin is in a long line of hitlers and like pharaoh of egypt in the days of of israel of people who've hardened their hearts yeah, so I think that's how, how you... How do you fix that? <laughs> well, I think after a while, the only job of the of the villain is to make the hero look good. I mean, there's no way out of this. I, At the end of the day, that's what's, again, so fascinating about the, the story of Egypt is the first, whatever, four or five plagues, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then the last couple of plagues, it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm. To the point, like... God almost gives people over to their own destruction. Like, you want to keep hardening your heart? I'm going to give it over to you, and I'm going to make the heroes look good. I mean, right now, Putin looks horrible. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I've, every article I've read saying he doesn't have a plan B. Like, he's going to go all in until he's gone and and done. And so I think the only way is you support victims and people like the Ukrainian people and try to stop this man because you're not going to change him. You're not going to change. And in all the abusive relationships that I've worked with, I don't know any of them where the abuser has fully repented in the relationship. Sometimes mm-hmm. after the relationship's over, went to jail or, or lost the relationship, maybe years later, like wakes up a little bit. But you harden your heart so far where you start to not care at all what people... It just totally seared your heart. Um, that kind of person, you just got to stop. Cut them loose. Yeah, you got to stop. You got to... You, you, you're not... You got to get... You got to stop trying to be real rehabilitation mode and into protection mode, protecting the victims. So, mm. yeah. I was going to say, I think uh, maybe maybe less less of a less of a Christian answer, but still a factor is, um, uh, from everything I know about Putin, I think actually like when he first, like the fir- first couple of years after he came to power, his approval ratings were pretty high and the Russians actually liked him for, for like what we would say would be like a really long time, you know, for someone who acts the way he does. And so, I mean, I think he's out of touch. I think he's been in power for so long and he's like kind of like, years. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of like marinate in that. You isolate yourself from all the hostility and you just tell yourself that those people are just weak idiots, basically. Why don't you think that's a Christian answer? Um, well, I'm just saying maybe it has less to do... or um, Like no. you're just talking about more, more of psychology or... Yeah, I'm, say, I'm saying like... Not, not, that, no, not that it's not a Christian answer, Um but some of the, I'm just saying some of the reasons for that, for that hardening of the heart or that mm-hmm. denial of conscience that would, because rather than just saying like, oh, he's a crazy evil person. Like he, he became, he turned into it over the yeah, course of I the last Yeah, I think he probably has years. turned himself into that. It didn't just start that way. Just right. much like abusive relationships don't either. Right. Like it's usually right. a very slow process. And the hard part is to know, were they playing a game in the beginning to get, win trust? Mm-hmm. Or have they evolved um, into yeah, this? Yeah, or did they evolve into this? And and I think in a lot of cases, in the beginning, they know exactly what they're doing to, to gain trust. 
and then they they flip the switch on people um yeah so Yikes. either one i i don't know it doesn't really matter it, it all that matters now is that he stopped um yeah I think it's a good. I think that story is almost like, I don't know, if iconic or 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 symbolic of so many stories. You know, which one was that? But with Pharaoh in Egypt, yeah, that 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 story it just repeats itself over and over again. And God finally gives people over to their to themselves to their own hardness of heart. So can't work with somebody like that. No, you know, and we need to learn to to embolden victims and heroes to finally, if somebody is a total villain, to embolden them to fight and to find a way, use law, courts, soldiers, whatever we have to do. I'm talking about whether it's Putin or an abusive relationship, we need to um, embolden the people who are victims uh, to overcome and stop. So often, we, for some reason, we try to give excuses to these people who harden their own heart. Uh, we're it's it's not that's not time anymore for them. They've they've had their chance. We need to move on. So, all right. There's another thing I wanted to talk about. We just started the Lenten season. Ash Wednesday is actually one of the oldest tradition. It's actually I think older than Christmas in the Christian Church year. That is one of the oldest traditions that that we have as Christians. And uh, people have been giving things up for Lent. Do you guys give up anything for Lent? No. <laughs> Green vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> do you see any point in doing it? Do you know people who do? I've got a couple of friends um, that are giving up social media. Okay. I'm not. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I, if, if you... Can you explain the... Yeah. What, what you, we're like... What's the reason behind it? Yeah. Like for people who don't know. Yeah. I'm I talking think... about me. I think there... <laughs> it used to be... You fasted from food as a way to see your dependency. And it, 40 days of Lent is supposed to kind of mirror the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness. Um, and he spent those days in preparation, depending on God and on his word. Uh, and as he was tempted and, and, and faced temptation in the wilderness, so too we're supposed to depend on God. And fasting usually from food is a way to recognize our dependence, recognize our mortality, as a way of saying, I need God for everything. And and it's a way. Now, some people try to take it as like, yeah, it's like a gym for social or for uh, self-control. Like, I'm not going to have chocolate. I don't really know what spiritual value that does. Maybe stop some gluttonous behavior or something, I guess. But traditionally, the idea of fasting um, was one of showing a sign of dependence on God. I have in the past tried to do some sort of fasting usually with food or something like that. It hasn't always given that. I'm mostly just cranky. That's yeah, kind of usually it happens yeah. to me. I don't feel like I depend more on God. Uh, yeah. So I think I need to <laughs> well, how figure can you out. A way. How can you think about that if your physical, you know, like I guess, I don't know, for me, if my physical need is not being met, you know, in the sense of hunger. Yeah. Like, I need food. <laughs> right. So I need to talk to somebody who actually has had a good experience with that. I have not met too many people who know how to do it right and grow spiritually through it, but I, I have done it before. I just don't know if it made me any stronger spiritually. Is that is that commonly practiced by, by Catholics? Yeah, but it's kind of trendy right now. I think okay. other people do it. Um, yeah, Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, 
sometimes Lutherans, Anglicans, any kind of the mainline traditional churches, I think, try to hold on to some of the historical practices. I mean, Jesus fasted. When he said a, a, had the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you fast, this is how you should do it. Um, he was very clear, like, when you fast, don't look somber as the heathen do, and and don't, you know, go around telling everybody how much you're fasting, and, you know, he, he made it, you know, do it in secret, put, you know, wash your face, and just carry on with your normal day. Let it be between you and God. Don't make it this sense of pride. I think that can happen. People tell everybody how much they're fasting or how much they're just trying to get through it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's too. <laughs> Someone give me a candy bar. So that, I, yeah, maybe it's time to, to look into those practices. Maybe I'll try it again and let get back to you guys on that. See if it, see if I'm less cranky. But when you fasted, you didn't, I mean, you didn't go 40 days without food. No, you go like maybe a, that's what the whole Friday the Catholic Church said you could you could you had to stop eating meat and fasting, and supposedly, I don't know if this is a wives' tale, but supposedly fish was um, there was a big Catholic donator who had a fish market or whatever, and so you could eat fish still, and that's why there's Fish Fridays. Mm-hmm. I, I might be totally wrong on that, but that's what I've heard. Um, but yeah, that it was normally on Fridays. I think you would fast. So it, it's. I've tried like Mondays being a day of fasting from something. I've been doing that for a while. It doesn't always happen. It's not, doesn't always work out well, but I think it can be a helpful practice. Like you said, trying to identify your idols and see how much, how big of a pull it is when you stop using them. Can you get through it without it? So Matt, you don't, you, the only thing you fast from is sleep. I feel like, you know, you you give up on sleep. I really deprive myself (laughs) for the greater good. I, I don't know. I, um, it's kind of like New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. where it's like if you're going to change a habit, why are you waiting for Lent? Like it's either a bad habit or it's not a big deal. Right, right. That makes sense. And are you doing it because you want to drop a couple pounds or are you doing it because you want to have dependency on God or yeah. you use food as a coping mechanism, right? So that's Like are you if you're off social media, are you going to take an extra half hour of prayer and reading God's word? Right. Mm. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the idea that I think that's what fa- fasting many people do practice. Like the hours of eating, you would replace with w- with God's word and prayer. Okay. So, and, and that that would maybe be a good thing then. Yeah. And maybe that's not a bad idea. But I just don't always, not always that religious. I guess <laughs> As, <laughs> I should, I should. So those are those are some things that are on my mind. Do you have something, Matt, that's on your mind? Kinda, yeah. And I was talking to Annie about this yesterday. And it's sort of related to both the topics we've already given. Um, and so I, I, I occasionally will peruse on the Facebook mm. and I, I have just seen recently so many. So first of all, like a lot of, a lot of just memes and jokes being made generally that just have like a very nihilistic sentiment to them. And that's not a statistic, but I think it's instructive because laughter is involuntary and people can only really laugh at what's relevant. Um, and then I've seen... Do you have an example of what, what's said? No. And it's not something that you can even explain. It's, okay. it's not funny. It's <laughs> it's just well, What's stupid. the overarching... The, 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 basically, the, the idea is basically like, why try? And I think I I would say especially young men, I don't know probably young people in general, people a little bit younger than me, 
Um, and I've heard also about, I mean, like even elementary school students um, just have this idea, like not really any reason to try. I mean, we've kind of said like college can kind of be a waste of money now at some times, like you can find a good job other than that. Um, so don't, don't bother getting into this career. Don't bother getting a family. Um, but you can play video games with friends. You can go out drinking and get high. And so, so that's part, that's half of it. Now, the other thing I've seen on Facebook, especially as ads is I, I literally saw the other day, like a, some kind of service or like a life coach or something that was literally like teaching people adult, adult skills. Like if you needed to learn how to be a grown up, you could like hire this person or this company. It's like, what? <laughs> what are they teaching you to balance a checkbook? I, I don't, I, <laughs> I mean, don't, we don't know. Really I didn't do that. I mean, that's kind of irrelevant. It, right? now, but, but I see more and more toilet. of that. Like, yeah, I see more and more of like people that are just offering like, things that you wouldn't even consider marketable yeah but it's like okay okay there's a need for that yeah and one of these i saw that i actually thought was kind of cool um i it's not overtly christian but it has some kind of christian undertones to it is this group called exodus 90 have you heard of that yeah it's it's uh i think it's actually catholic men's oh, it is? Okay. a men's kind of 90 days of kind of yeah growth yep cold and showers so <laughs> yeah well go to it's like go to sleep early wake up at you know go to sleep at this time wake up at this time cold showers is one of them every morning you take cold shower you get 30 minutes of intense exercise every morning you you make a you make a group of Danny. you make a you make a group of friends and um like there's like a, so there's like uh, six of you or eight of you. Annie, I'm sorry. I just. Are you okay over there? <laughs> Did I say something that made you laugh? Yeah, that's right. Bunch of men who need cold showers. That's what it was. She's laughing about <laughs> something. You would you you had to be there. Is what yeah. you should say. Yeah. Anyway, Go on. Anyway. Yes. So what do you think about this? Oh, it's very intriguing. I think this is the whole reason that Jordan Peterson got so famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jordan Peterson said, if you can't make your own bed, why are you out on a social justice mm-hmm. uh, crusade to tell me how to change, fix the whole government if you can't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, balance your checkbook and your bank account and make your own bed? And So he said, first clean your room and then come over and tell yeah. me how to clean up the rest of the world so and i and he was really kind of going after that whole nihilistic why try play video games all day Uh is it i saw the same thing when i was uh helping run a camp years ago uh you know this is only three four years ago um more and more kids coming to camp wearing these shirts like I play video games all day, deal with it. Or, you know, something like that on their shirt. And and like parents were encouraging this almost where I just thought, wow, you're, yeah, an emptiness. Mm -hmm. That's my question is where, where is this coming from? Is it, is it our parent, you know, is it essentially our age parenting, our generation parenting now? And we're, Mm -hmm. we're screwing it up or. I I would like to say that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you would. Um, Or is it, you know, is it social media? Is it society? Is I mean, what, or is it everything I, I've talked about this before, maybe not here, but 
I think movies kind of tell the same story where why is there so much kind of dystopian uh, literature and movies that it's so popular now? Because I think it's tapping into this idea of, you know, we live in a post 9-11, post uh, the 2008 economic crash. Um, lots of families are broken families. Uh, yeah, incredible student that you're not going to get out of. And so I think a lot of people see these challenges as insurmountable. So all you can basically do is just kind of survive and numb yourself because you can't overcome them. And why I guess, bother? why bother? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so inspiring about some of these people who are willing to face challenges and overcome because that actually gives meaning to your life and not just giving up. So maybe we need to do a better job of instilling purpose in our yeah. kids yeah. And, and in our society. And, and Well, and I was saying that would that seems like a great niche for the church to fill. Purpose? Is purpose. Because I, well, and I, this was my theory was, um, and just looking at, at Ukraine, I mean, so stuff has been blowing up on social media about Ukraine, but I've seen so many jokes that are just like making memes about like, Putin doing this or that or about it's it's just making very light of everything yeah. mm. all the time mm -hmm. I mean I yeah I I guess some of them I've seen I don't want to say because they're they're really vulgar but it's just like there's no there's no risk like no one no one knows what it means to care about anything no right. one knows what it means to actually there's we don't actually have any conflict we just watch we watch media with dystopian uh, um, like a dystopian genre. We just mm. kind of superimpose conflict on our lives because you have nothing to fight for. You just kind of feel like you should be a consumer like in the in kind of the big so we have machine. Too easy. I, I would say, I, I would say, well, I don't know if, I don't know if, it's hard to say we have it too easy because then the question becomes who's made it too easy and then you have someone to blame and I would say you have no one to blame but yourself if you if you're not doing anything with your life. But, but I guess, but there's a trend. There's a trend. Yeah. Easy times make weak people. You know, I think mm. there, there are some, mm -hmm. there's something to that. Do you think it's, so when you're looking at this, are you, do you think it's your age group? What are you, 20? I'm 24. 24. Is it mostly people your age? I think people my age, maybe a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know where, where, I'm Gen Z, I guess, technically. I think that, um, yeah, I, I think people my age, I think overall have less interest. I feel like it's people a little bit older than me and like the millennials who are really into the political issues. I think people like a little bit younger than me really don't care about politics, which I think is great. I think politics are pretty stupid. Um, but it's... Well, yeah, but sorry, just quick on that. Like, that's kind of the same thing. Why bother? Mm -hmm. Like, you yeah. know, we were talking oh, yesterday. Exactly. It doesn't matter who the president is. And why it, why bother like we, yeah. we should vote we have to vote right because it's like our civic duty like we've got to do it but it's kind of like well they both suck so like what am i, yeah. you know, what am I supposed to do now well, and and how much of your life is this is a whole nother discussion but how much of your life is going to change and you don't see any like immediate result for you mm -hmm. and so you're just like why should i why would i sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but you're saying that people your age and younger kind of don't care about politics which is good yeah, and I, I just think that's personally good because I think we care about politics too much. But overall, there's like so, so many things that people have just, just have just stopped caring about. It's like, why try? 
That's really scary though, because I think we are purpose-driven creatures. We mm-hmm. we we need meaning. So so now the question is: so where where do you find that meaning? How do you how do you how do you find something worth living for? You, you take a class on how to become an adult <laughs> on Facebook on a, from a Facebook ad. Well, I think what you just said is like really important that we are purpose-driven creatures. I mean, it really kind of distinguishes us from the animals, oh, yeah. right? Like. Yeah any you know i shouldn't say any but many animals just survive right like they just they go look for food yeah it's okay we're gonna go look for food now and we're existing and here we are and this is what we do um not having the brain or the forethought or the wherewithal to have that purpose and have that drive they're just that yeah yeah, i don't like society's headed that way and and i think and i think the distinction is people still have the drive it's it's sort of like a like an intentional apathy, an active apathy. It's a rebellion, but it's you don't know who you're rebelling against. Ooh. And so you're just sort of Yikes. frustrated at everything. And so you just go and you do nothing. I think it's a lack of core values. There's a lack of what do I actually care about? I think, you know, we've had all these different social justice movements and I think they're kind of showing to be empty after at the end of the day. These aren't actually real some of them are very i mean i think obviously racism a real issue but how we're going about some of these things are actually very different than maybe the civil rights leaders of the 1960s and 70s you know with martin luther king jr actually had a clear goal what he wanted to do and how he's going to go about nonviolent protests we don't have any of those clear goals right now i do think it's really important I, my favorite book outside of the Bible is A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And that's what he found out. He said, um, we are purpose-driven creatures. And in, in, Hol- in the Holocaust, he said, the only people who would survive the concentration camps are those who had a sense of meaning. And you had to find your own. And you don't even, you, you don't even have to find it. You just have to believe that there is meaning. Um, and, and if you believe there is meaning, that's enough. And you're going to help somebody. You're going to do something with your life. If you don't feel like there's any ultimate meaning, um, man, you're, you're, you're screwed. But so, I, I mean, tying that together with now, what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I've just seen like the number of ads for or like this Exodus 90 thing. Yeah. Where it's like, here's somebody who has direction. Yeah. Here's somebody that has a plan. And it's like, do these steps and actually, like the more radical it is, the more, I think the more intriguing it is. Right. Like I could, I could actually, I could do that. I could transform, transform, yeah. you know, quote unquote, transform your life in, in ninety days. I could be a totally different person. I could be hell bent on one purpose. I don't have to care about these other things anybody else cares about. And I could do something. I think people find that really, really fascinating. Yeah, that's a it's a void for either good leaders or dictators or cults, you know, I mean, cause if you don't, if you're aimless, you don't have any convictions and you don't know you, you'll get caught, you know, you'll do anything. So I think there are, I mean, go back to, I think that's what the rise of Hitler and the rise of Putin was like for Hitler after the treaty of Versailles, like they, people were empty in Germany. They didn't know what to do. Then you have a charismatic leader who says, I know what to do. I'll give you a plan. And they, they jumped on it. So I think, yeah, I think, that you're right. This is where the church needs to step up and give people clear direction. Um, yeah. But is that Exodus 90 based in any type of psychological? Well, like, everything that they prescribe, I would say, I I would say is generally accepted as pretty healthy. 
Um, there are health benefits to taking cold showers. <laughs> um, obviously, uh-huh. getting more sleep, getting more exercise, cutting out junk food, cutting out too much social media, cutting out being on your phone too much, making close friends, establishing relationships, and then actually keeping up with those, having accountability partners, that sort of thing. I mean, that's all good stuff, and I don't think anyone's arguing with okay. that. Okay. It's nothing like weird. <laughs> no, I think that these are the reasons I... I, I wanted the men's mentoring program here at Victory, and I've been so thankful for that is because of those, because of that reason. And then um, on top of that, uh, this book study we're going to be doing here on a mission is uh, that same kind of thing is helping people find purpose in their life. Uh, so I think that's huge. I think that's why the church and exists. And you, you have an app too. Right. So, Every day. Yeah. yeah. What What is the app? What is it called? Say it nice and loud. <laughs> nice and loud. How do you for those spell in the back. It? Well, yeah, your, your daily victory, it's just to give people direction every single day, give them a spiritual practice to, to, and then to hold each other accountable to do some, so Monday's kind of, a, yeah, like we've talked about fasting. So I have some kind of either fasting from social media or fasting from something. Tuesday is usually some kind of prayer. Wednesday is some kind of study. Thursday is some kind of generosity, uh, or, or witness. And then, uh, Saturday is some kind of Sabbath and then Sunday is worship. And there's small practices that yeah. not you know nothing mm-hmm. crazy right yeah so Very that manageable. that's been really a lot of fun so yeah your your daily victory can find that here's a little, a little commercial find that anywhere on any <laughs> social or um app Some store exclusions apply yeah. see store for details that's right free app <laughs> very cool well i think you, we got to keep talking about this matt because mm-hmm. i think that is the the issue right now for young people not having a sense of purpose and if you don't have a sense of purpose you're not gonna get up out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. yeah guys i really like uh like doing this podcast with you because you get into some stuff yeah it's been a lot it's of fun. good i'm learning a lot and groovy yeah. <laughs> all right glad for it if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the climbing sycamores podcast feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.